In the book of Psalms, 122nd chapter, in verse 1, David spoke these words. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Brother Tony, I want to say tonight, I'm glad to be here. I am thankful that Brother Tony recommended me and the elders agreed to allow me to come back and be with this fine congregation. We were with you about two years ago, and the reason I know that is because when we were here, we had been married one year. And I told my wife, and I shocked her when I told her, I said, not only can I remember that, I can remember what you were wearing. You had on a red dress. And she said, you can remember that? Uh, you have to know me. I don't remember a lot of things, but I remember that. But I'm glad to be back with you. And when Brother Tony uh, called me and told me about that they were going to invite me, and then he told me the subject. And after I agreed, I thought about it and said, man, what did I get myself into? I've been preaching for over 40 years, but I have to honestly say, I've never preached a complete lesson just online. And so the night will be the first. Now, I don't know if I'll benefit you at all, but I hope, because I prayed about what I'm going to say and I hope that it would be beneficial to all of us tonight. And that when we'll leave here tonight, I'll be able to say something that will help us with this problem that is common in America. And I hope it's not common in your life. The text for the night has been read. And thank you for the scripture reading that was read. But notice what the Bible says in Psalms 18 and verse number 21 is your text for your summer series. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I've been a marriage counselor for 38 years, and I know well the power of words. In a marriage relationship, what keeps a marriage great is the ability to say the right words. And if you want your marriage to be enriched, Learn to say the right words, and your spouse will love you. Words are powerful. Whether they're written or spoken, words are powerful. They can give you life. Solomon says they can give you death. Words are powerful. And it's seen in the fact that words are powerful in the fact that more people have been murdered or killed by the tongue, than all the wars put together. Words are powerful. And so in this text, Solomon is saying to us, Sammy, be careful what you say. Be careful how you say it. Because not only what you say, but how you say it has power. Take, for example, baby, I love your biscuits. There's no one in the world can cook biscuits like yours. I just love them. Cracker Barrel has nothing on you. I'm getting breakfast at 4 a.m. in the morning. Words are powerful. Now, I've got a question for you tonight. If you never told a lie, stand up. Just kidding, don't stand up. The fact is, every one of us at some time in our lives, we've told a lie. A lie is a sin. 
And what I've stopped by tonight is to share with you three thoughts about the subject that's been assigned to me when it comes to the power of words is lying. Three things about lying. The first point that I want to talk about, and that is this. God wants us, when it comes to lying, to take the road less traveled. Let me say that again. God wants, when it comes to lying, for Christians to take the road less traveled. That's the first thing we want to talk about tonight. The second point that I want to make, and that is not only does God want us to take the road less traveled, but then there are reasons why God wants us to take the road less traveled when it comes to lying. And I want to share with you some reasons why God wants us when it comes to lying as Christians to take the road less traveled. And then my third point and third objective is to share with you what can we do, Brother Jones? Give us some practical insights as to what we can do to take the road less traveled. What can we do if we have a problem with lying to overcome it? What can we do to help others, our friends, co-workers, or even family members who have a problem with lying? What can we share with them that will empower or equip them to take the road less traveled? And so tonight, lying. What is the God word says about lying? Let's deal with the first objective. God wants us as Christians to take the road less traveled. In 1916, most of you are familiar with Robert Frost. He wrote a poem entitled, The Road Not Taken. Let me read the first and final of stanzas of this poem. Two roads diversed in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not take both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the overgrowth. And then the last stanza, he says, I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diversed in the wood, and I, and I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. That has made all the difference. Every day we live, we're going to be faced with decisions. We're going to be faced with choices. You're going to be tempted in a situation to lie or to tell the truth. What are you going to do? We live in a country, we live in a world where lying has become common. But for Christians, for Christians, it ought not to be something that we continue in. Although the world may do it, God expects and wants us to be different. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, the Bible says, Come out from among them, Sam. Come out from among this world. And be ye separated. Be ye different. Come out from among them. And I will be your God. And you shall be my people. 
We live in a world where lying is like drinking water. But for Christians, we are to come out of the world and God wants us to be different. God wants us to be people who speak the truth. When our mouth is open and words come out, people can trust what we're saying. They can rely on what we're saying. God wants us to be more like him. Every day we're looking at Jesus, who lived on this earth 33 years. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 22, he never uttered a lying word. Jesus never lied. And the Father that we serve, Titus 1 verse 2, Hebrews 6 and verse 18, it's impossible for God to lie. And God wants us to be like him. And so every day we need to keep Jesus and God before us in a world of darkness. And one way is that our word means something. In a world where there was a time, and I remember I'm old enough, that your word meant something. That you could borrow money from the bank on your word. But not anymore. Because people will lie to you looking you straight in the eyes. People will lie to you shaking your hands. People will lie to you embracing you. God says, Christians, I want you to take the road. Let's travel. I want you to be different in this world. If we're going to make a difference in McMinnville, then the members of this congregation must be known in the community that there are people whose word means something. And so tonight, I challenge you to be people that take the road less traveled. Why? Because that is what God wants for us. Go to Proverbs chapter 6 and look at verses 16 through 19. And you're familiar with the text. Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 through 19. In this text, Solomon gives us seven things that God hates. Notice, out of the seven things that God hates, look at verse 16. A lying lip. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, a false witness who speak lies. The individual who lies for no cause, just lie, just to be lying. God says, I hate that. And then someone who will lie on someone else. God says, I hate that. I, I don't know why of all the sins, this one is mentioned twice. That God hates it. And so that is something that if we have a problem with, we need to overcome it. Because lying is something that God hates. The text that we read to us just a few moments ago, look again at Proverbs chapter 12. Look at verse 22. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. The Bible says, lying lips are an abomination to God. In Hebrew, you know what the word abomination really means? It makes God sick. God throws up at individuals who lie. It makes them sick. I don't want to be, and you don't want to be in that category of individuals who make God sick, nauseated at the stomach. I'll just imagine, and I don't want to gross anyone out. 
But just imagine when you've been sick at the stomach how you felt. And that's how God feels when Christians lie. God wants us to take the road less traveled. God wants us to be individuals who speak the truth, who put forth every day, every hour that our words mean something. They represent the God we serve that can't lie. And so we want to be known as individuals who speak the truth. Look at what God wants. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 25. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, notice what the Bible says about lying. Paul talking to the saints in Ephesus. And he's trying to get these Gentile and Jewish saints to get along with one another. And he tells them, therefore, put away lying. When, when I think about in a marriage relationship, what husband and wives need to do is speak the truth. You know what destroys marriages more than anything? It's not adultery. It's not verbal abuse. It's lying. Because when you don't have trust in a marriage, you don't have marriage. Words are powerful. Words can hold a marriage together when you're struggling with financial problems. Words can hold a marriage together when you're struggling with health problems. When you're struggling with children who are going through drug addiction or whatever, when the words are truthful, they mean something. But when lying enters into a relationship, as you will see, it hurts. God wants us to be Christians who imitate him and we take the road less traveled. I want you to look at one more text before we go to our second point. And that is what God wants of us as Christians. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, look at verse number 9. And this is what he says to one another. In the church as well as in the community, do not lie. Do not lie. Guard your lips. Guard your tongue. Sammy, be careful what you say. Let your words mean something. Let your statements mean something. Do not lie to one another. Since you put off that old man, before you became a Christian, before you became a child of God, you may have been known for something. But now you're a Christian, you're known for speaking the truth. And if we don't do that, then we undermine the spiritual growth of the church. And so God wants us, number one, to take the road less traveled. Now let's go to objective number two. Why? Why is it that God wants us to be individuals who strive every day to live up to God's expectation of us, to live up to our uh, potential, to be the best Christians that we can possibly be? Let me share with you Four or five reasons why. And I want you to think about those this week. Four or five reasons why God wants us to take the road less traveled. That we can be the better when this world comes to an end. When we can be the better 
and our marital relationship with our spouse and with our children and with the people in our community and with this congregation, we can be the much better by being people who tell the truth. And so God wants us to be people who tell the truth. So here's the first reason why God wants us to take the road less traveled. Go to Psalms 15. Again, a text you're familiar with. And the psalmist here is David. And David asked the question. And David, you have to understand, he had knowledge that Jesus Christ was going to come to this earth and die for our sins. He was blessed with knowledge, what the Holy Spirit had revealed to him in the Old Testament. And although the Jews lived in a tent, and this was a tabernacle, David had something far more important in mind. And that was one day, reigning in heaven with God. And David said, who will dwell in the tabernacle of God? Who will dwell in his holy city? Who has the hope of one day being in heaven with God? And you got to understand, David uses a phrase that he knew, and that's righteous. Those who are righteous in the eyes of God will be the individuals that one day will dwell in heaven with God. Now look at verse 2. Who is righteous in the eyes of God and has the hope of one day dwelling in heaven? The person who learns to speak the truth in the heart. The mind. From the mind comes word of truth. This person does not intentionally, this person does not lie. This person puts forth every effort when he's talking to someone to be sure that my words are true. My question for you, do you work at telling the truth? How are you known in the community? How are you known in your home? How are you known by your spouse? How are you known by your children? God wants us to be people who have a passion to want to one day reign in heaven with God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the host of angels. But if we're going to do that, we've got to control what we say. That's the first reason why. Why we take the road less traveled. The second, go to John chapter 8, verse 44. You see, those people who lie and lie and lie, their daddy is Satan. I don't want Satan to be my first cousin, second cousin, distant cousin. Definitely doesn't want him to be my dad. But Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, and he tells them, your father is the devil. And the reason is because you lie for no reason. And you know you're lying. You're just like your daddy. He can't help himself. He lies and there is no truth in him. And when he speaks, he lies. I don't want to be associated with Satan. And when God looks down at me, and I know I've lied and intentionally lied, and I keep on lying, God looks at me and says, Sam, Sam, I want to be your dad. I want to be your father. Sammy, your mouth, the inability to control what comes out of your mouth is hindering that, Sammy. I don't want God to say that about me. And therefore, I'm motivated to take the road, less travel. 
I want one day to dwell in heaven and I'm motivated because I want to be associated with God. I want to be associated with Jesus. I want to be associated with the Holy Spirit for God that can love me so much that he can watch from the wonders of heaven when his son was stretched out for my iniquities and his son said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And he did nothing. Oh, what love. What love. What amazing love. Somebody can love me that much. What he requested of me in reciprocation of that is, Sammy, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Just because everybody else is doing it, Sammy, take the road less traveled. Tell the truth. A third reason why he wants us is not only because you want to go to heaven, you don't want to be associated with the devil, but go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. And what he tells us there is that your words tell something about your character. Your words tell something about what's in your heart. Your words... And a person that lies all the time, when you see him coming, oh, here comes that lying Sammy. How do you know he's lying? His mouth is moving. I don't want to be known for that. Do you? There's a man that lived many years ago, and even though he's dead, he still speaks. I don't know whether the story about him is true, but he was called Honest Abe. Abe. Abraham Lincoln was known as a man who wouldn't tell a lie. What about you? How am I going to be remembered? How are you going to be remembered? Because one day you're going to die. One day I'm going to die. How are we going to be remembered? And therefore Jesus says, out of the abundance of a heart, Sammy, the mouth speaketh. Sammy, what are you letting in your mind? Sammy, Please, for what I've done for you, clean your mind. Let your mind be pure and innocent as much as you can. So when you speak to Diane, you tell her the truth and she can trust what you're saying. And she don't have to stay up all night. I wonder, is my baby telling me the truth? When you talk to the children, they know, Dad, words means he's going to do what he's going to say. The people back at the congregation that are privileged to allow me to be their servant, to be their minister. Sam, be a person. If those children and teenagers grow up, they know Brother Jones is telling the truth. He's trustworthy. His words are powerful. And so when he comes to the congregation and tells us that he's proud of us, he really means it. You know why? He's not known for lying. He's not known for lying. People that know me, he's not known for lying. I don't want to be known as that lying Sammy. I want to be known as that man that has integrity. That's why I try to take the road less travel. Because that's what God wants for me. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. And look at what the Bible says in verse 23. Proverbs 4 verse 23 Keep your heart with all diligence. Protect it, Sammy, because out of it come forth the issues of life. What comes out of my mouth 
tells what's in my heart. I can stand before you all night and tell you this or tell you that, but my life, my words, tell the true Sammy. What do your words say about you and the community? At the workplace, what are your words? Words are powerful. Words are powerful. They build people up or they can tear people down. But then there's a fourth reason you ought to be motivated to tell the truth. And that is go to Proverbs chapter 26 and verse number 28. Lying hurts. Let me say that again. If you ever been in a relationship, even a friendship with someone, and they lie to you, it hurts. It hurts. There's no pain like being hurt by someone you put your trust in. And then for them to turn around and lie to you, oh, it's a hurt. And in my 30-some years as a counselor, I've had wives to tell me, Brother Jones, I'd rather for him to hit me than lie to me. I'd rather for him to beat me than to lie to me. Lying hurts. Lying hurts. And when we lie to one another, it hurts. Listen to what the Bible says, Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those whom are crushed by it. When you lie to someone that you claim to love, and you know you're lying, and they come to find out about it, you really hate them. Because if you really love that person, you couldn't lie to them. You couldn't lie. You only lie to people that you want to hurt, that you don't care about. Go to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, Peter's talking about spiritual growth, Christian growth. And look at the very first part of that verse. And it says, put away all malice and deceit. You know what Peter is really saying? Christians, stop hurting one another by lying to one another. Stop hurting one another by lying to one another. Lying hurts. And that's why I made a decision. I'm going to take the road less traveled. I don't want to hurt God who loves me. I I don't want to hurt Diane who loves me. I I don't want to hurt my children who loves me. I don't want to hurt the congregation that's gracious enough to let me preach to them and encourage them. I don't want to hurt people that know me by being known as a lying Sammy. And finally, before we go to our final point, a fifth reason why you ought to be motivated to want to take the road less traveled. Revelation 21, verse 8. Perhaps you are already familiar with that one. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want to have to spend an eternity separated from God remembering you could have been in heaven because that's what God wants for you. Now, with the few minutes I have left, Brother Jones... Help us then. What can we do? We have friends and loved ones and 
Maybe there's someone here tonight that's wrestling with this. What insights can you give us that will help us to be able to take the road? Let's travel. Let me share with you the time that's left, a few thoughts. The first one comes to first, go to First King chapter 22. First King chapter 22, there's a wonderful story here about a prophet named Micaiah. Perhaps you're familiar with it. But the story goes like this. There was two kings, Ahab, Ahab, you know him, he was the worst king that, that Israel ever had. First king, chapter 16, verse 33, he was a wicked king. But then one of my favorite kings was Jehoshaphat. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat was a godly man. But these two individuals formed an alliance and they were going to fight against the Assyrians. And so they formed this alliance. And, and, and I like King Jehoshaphat because he says to King Ahab, before we go to fight, don't we need to consult one of God's prophets? Don't we need to talk with God to see if we're going to be successful in this battle? And Ahab knew that and said, sure. So he calls his 400 prophets. The only problem with these prophets, they were not God's prophets. They were prophets of Baal. And he called those prophets, and those prophets would tell Ahab anything he wanted to hear because they were consumed with pleasing the prophet, I mean pleasing the king by any means necessary. And so after King Jehoshaphat heard these prophets, he said, is there not a prophet of God that we can consult? Because I don't really trust what these 400 prophets are saying. And so... They, he said, yes, look at verse 7. He says, yes, there is a prophet. But you know what? Verse 6, that prophet, his name is Micaiah. And Micaiah, he, he never prophesied anything good about me. And, and so he says, I want to hear King Jehoshaphat. He wanted to hear from that prophet. And so they, look at verse 13. They send a messenger to get Micaiah. And notice, the prophets had already told King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat, those 400 false prophets, that they were going to be successful in this battle. And so on the way back, the messenger says to Micaiah, now hold it, now listen here, man, let me tell you this, this is where it's going to be. Back at the council, 400 prophets have already told Ahab that he's going to be successful. Now I need you to get on board with this. When we get back there, you tell the king what he wants to hear, and that is he's going to be successful in defeating the Syrians. Now look at verse 14, because that's the key of the chapter. In verse 14, the Bible says this, Micaiah says, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that will I speak. And my question, when you're faced with a situation like this, where even he could be put to death, but he didn't care. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to suffer the abuse, and he was cast into prison and given only bread and water. But he told the king the truth in verse 17, and he told the king, you're going to be defeated, and you're going to be killed in this battle. So the point number one is this. Be courageous like Micaiah. Let him be your mentor. 
the person you mimic. Keep his story. Read this story over and over again and say, God, help me. Give me courage to be, to tell when I'm talking with my friends, whether I'm 16 or whether I'm 22 or 44 with the guys or with the ladies. Help me under any circumstance to be like Micaiah, to tell the truth. You got to want to be. Let me say that again. And here's a man worth mimicking. Here's someone worth thinking about. God, give me the courage to be like this prophet of God. That's how you do it. You put before you good examples and you look at their lives and you try to mimic that and you work and put and every viber in you to be just like them. So number one, read this story over and over again. Memorize it like I have and strive to be like them. Number two, it's not enough to have a good model before you. But strive not to be like Ananias and Sapphira because it's not worth it. Remember that lying is not worth it. Ananias and Sapphira told each told a lie. But my question that you remember in this text here, lying is not worth it. Turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, look at verse 19. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 19. Remember, lying may give you pleasure, may give you satisfaction, but it only lasts for a season. It only lasts for a moment. Proverbs 12, verse 19. The truthful lips shall be established forever. Those people that tell the truth, as I told you about Ernest Abe, they live on. Truth shall stand. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. When they die, they're forgotten. Or they receive pleasure. But that pleasure is only for a little while. Ananias and Sapphira told a lie. They didn't even have to. During that time, there were saints in Jerusalem having difficulties. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Barnabas sold some property, brought the money, gave it to the apostles, and people praised him. I don't know if that was the motivation for Ananias and Sapphira. They had some property. They could have said, we're going to give less. But they said they were going to give a certain amount, and then Satan entered into their heart. And they changed their mind without saying, I, to the apostles, I've changed my mind. They lied. When Peter asked Ananias, how much do you sell the land for? I sold it for this amount. And he knew it was a lie. It was an intentional untruth, a falsehood. And guess what happened to him? He got that money, enjoyed it for a moment, and then he fell dead. Was it worth it? Lying brings pleasure for just for a moment. Sapphira comes in later, not knowing what had happened to her husband. How much do you sell the land for? And she fell dead. Go to Matthew 16, 26, before we go to our next point. Jesus raises a question. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? What, what profit is it to lie to your buddies and you know you're lying? What profit is it to lie to people when you said, what, what size was the fish? When it was a, what profit is it? What 
practice it and lying for no reason. It's only going to bring you pleasure for a season. It's not worth it. And we need to remember that. That's the point. We need to remember that I is, lying is not worth it. Lying is not worth it. Lying is not worth the pleasure or the satisfaction it gives you for telling that lie. What's another thing we can do? Number three is pray to God for guidance. God help me. You have not because you ask not. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse number 7, God help me. God, help my son, help my daughter, help my spouse. Help me, Father, to deal with this and overcome. God, help me. Then, number four, you got to desire to want to please God. And that's the last one I close with. You got a desire to want to please God. You got a desire to want to change. You see, that's how you overcome it. It's not enough to pray to God. God's going to do his part, but you got to do your part. And it starts with a desire. I don't want to be known as a liar. God help me change. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You must admit you have the problem and seek some help. God help me. Get someone to hold you accountable. The preacher, the elders, your spouse, or friend. Someone that can hold you accountable because you want to. You want to please God. You want to be known in your community as an individual of integrity. You want to be trusted by your spouse. Maybe you've had that problem and now you desire to want to change. When I read Genesis chapter 39, verse number 9, I read about a young boy named Joseph. Why? And I've asked myself that over and over again. Why didn't Joseph sleep with Potiphar's wife? Why? Nobody knew Joseph down in Egypt. He was away from his family. You know why? He had a desire to want to please God. And Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, I can't commit this sin against my God. Lady, you're not worth it. I have a desire to please God. My dad put that in me before I was sold and put in bondage by my brother. I had a passion within me to want to please God and it has stayed with me and God blessed him. If you have a desire in you to change, God will help you. But you got to want to. There's not a sin that God can't help you to overcome. There's not a behavior God can't help you to change. God wants us to take the road. Let's travel. God has provided us in his book a variety of reasons why we ought to take the road. Let's travel. And God's word has advice in it, insights into it, as to what we can do to learn how to take the road. Let's travel. And so as we close tonight, I remind you, words are powerful. Think about it. Words are powerful. Your words mean something. And what are you known for in this community? By your words. Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, a lying lip makes God sick. 
How does God feel about you? A lying lip makes God sick. How does God feel about you? I don't want to stand before God on a day of judgment. And I've made God sick. What do you think he would say to me? What do you think he would say to me? If you're here tonight and you need us to pray for you, that's why we're here. Not to point fingers, not to find out what's wrong, but to try to encourage us that when we stand before God, Jesus would say, I know Sam Jones. I know him. And Father, it is with great honor that I present to you Sam Jones. If you're here tonight and you need to repent, we encourage you to do that. If you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, I can't think of a better night than tonight. God be thanked that we all were once a slave to sin. But we obeyed from the heart a pattern of doctrine. And when we obeyed that pattern, we were then made free from sin. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. I don't deserve it. God, thank you for it. And now, allow me, God, help me to use my words to glorify you. To glorify you when I talk to my wife. To glorify you when I talk to people. When I talk to my congregation, God, help me to glorify you. God, don't. Help me not to make you sick. If you need to come, why don't you come as we together stand and sing.